showing you how to reignite the embers of a distant and lonely relationship into a blazing, emotionally intimate connection. I'm your host, Amber Dawson. I'm a psychologist, author, and speaker. A few of my favorite things are my husband, Grapes, and my adorable little dog, Riggs. Now let's learn how to create a soul crush in love that lasts. Hit subscribe in your podcast app so that simply by listening, you can rekindle your relationship by pouring a little gas on your relationship ember. This podcast is for informational purposes and should not be misconstrued for specific relationship advice. For advice for your specific relationship, seek a local couples therapist for relationship counseling for couples therapy. Welcome to Relationship Psych, the podcast. Today we have Figs O'Sullivan with us. He's the founder and chief empathy officer at Empathy. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist who is certified in emotionally focused therapy for couples and individuals. He's a passionate interpreter, entrepreneur driven to change lives for the better. He interacts with his clients like their fellow travelers on life's, life's journey, allowing them to dive deeper into their stuff with his down-to-earth philosophy. In this episode, we're going to talk about what makes marriage work, why do couples fight, and so much more. So let's dive in, talking to figs. Okay, so tell me a little bit about um, what on earth made you decide that you wanted to work with couples. Yeah, you know... I, by the way, I should tell you that both my parents are therapists and my sister's a therapist. Wow. Okay. Family so therapist. That's the first thing, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm the son of an alcoholic, heartbroken mother, you know, typical Irish story, right? Um, and so I, and I really, really was always trying to keep my parents like together like I was the one that was always trying to like let's do a dinner like you know after they separated and everything oh I graduated from college let's all go together for a walk and mm -hmm. you know it was always miserable so so I think in a deep level like my my number one longing has always been to actually be inside a family yeah that's what I had as a kid yeah um in fact, there's an article I wrote that is the place I'll go before I die. Um, and it's, I wrote it before. Um, anyway, but there, there's this image I had from my childhood where, you know, I was away for the summer in America from Ireland. My first time going to America, I was sent away for the summer after my dad left. Um, me and my sister and it was the end of the uh, like six weeks of summer camp and I got to be back with my mom and my sister all together in this little apartment my mom was living in in uh, New York and I'd gotten sunburned earlier that day and I remember lying down on the floor and my mom applying like after sun on my back and so that I always remember that moment my sister's there my mom was there, and no dad, right? But my mom and my sister, and I, I remember I had this image like this is probably as good as it gets. <laughs> Just that sense of being together and that belonging. And so I, I always thought about it, like if I was lucky enough to be conscious when I die, I'm going to return to that place, right? Now, here I am, you know, like married to wonderful, really annoying children, 
and every night we co-sleep right we um we go to bed together yeah like so that one fleeting image from my childhood I now get to live it like it every like day so powerful to yeah have that so, and then yeah and so like that's just what I always wanted for myself so look I, I learned how to be a couples therapist primarily because I wanted to make love and relationship work and I wasn't doing very good I gotta be honest right like serial monogamous fail like in my early 40s 40 I must be around 40 51 so it must be 40 just before I met my wife I remember walking my mom in the beach in San Francisco where I lived and just telling her look I don't think it's going to work out I don't think I'm, you're, I'm going to make you a grandmother right right and it wasn't you know for want to try and um and so I and then I learned you know as you know as a therapist and I learned emotionally focused couples therapy and um I already thought I was an amazing couples therapist. I was so good, you know, as like a new therapist, relatively new. Right, when you're new, I, we think we're so good. Oh yeah, I thought I was amazing. <laughs> and then I remember asking a friend of mine who did emotionally focused couples therapy, how many couples come back for the second session? He just said, well, all of them come back for the second session. And I'm like, what? I'm sorry, excuse me, what is it? And I re and it really like landed, it was really hard. Like I just felt this knot in my stomach, though, which was, thank God, I could feel it. I'm just not that good. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I was getting in power struggles with, you know, the, what we call in emotionally focused couples therapy, the, the pursuer. And I was like trying to like pursue them for insight. And so I really dedicated myself to being a beginner and being a, uh, like a student of emotionally focused couples therapy and I just I loved it right I just like you get the I mean it looks to the outside and to the couple sometimes like it's magic right because you know take people from we want to kill each other yes if I got my hands on your passport I'd burn it the other person I'm sorry you got to get new tires I slash them and then taking that couple from that stance to holding each other snot tears loving each other within you know you know whatever it is like a, a couple of months three four months right so yes. it's just an unbelievably powerful thing to be able to do I know it's a long answer the other the other thing about being a couples therapist is just so dynamic right and you have to have so much range you know I, I my whole like background in therapy is through the whole like experiential like west coast hippie I lived at Esalen right and what I, you know so I can do all the experiential stuff but what is great about couples therapy you also have to be like a bouncer at a nightclub first before you can do all that softy mushy stuff yeah like I got to get in between two people so it, I just love that I have to access every aspect of my personhood yeah um and it's like yeah it's like running into a burning building sometimes it's 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 riveting and yeah. and I could die they yeah. could kill me the two of them right but um but anyway so that's a long I don't know that's a long answer but well I mean it sounds like you you know you talked about your personal experience that desire to be inside a family to belong uh, being unsure it was going to happen for you then your experience of learning more about therapy dedicating yourself to that and then the different dimensions of couples therapy all the different versions of yourself that you get to be with in couples therapy yeah, um yeah. and so it was a really powerful answer so yeah. what Tell, tell me a little bit about um, what changed when you met your wife. Um, 
Well, it's a good question. I'll tell you, when I met my wife, it was like, you know, I met her at Esalen. I don't know if your listeners, viewers know what Esalen is. I don't know if you know what Esalen is. Esalen is like, it used to be referred to as the Harvard of the personal development movement. And so it's where like Western existential, experiential psychotherapy met um, Eastern, like, you know, spiritual, philosophical thought. And so it's a, it's the place where like, you know, the where gestalt therapy was born and all of this like all the hippie dancing stuff right all like basically the whole personal development movement and so I was there for a seven-day dance workshop my wife was there for a five-day massage workshop I mean your listeners are just like oh my god this guy is just full hippie they can't see that I have no hair right but, <laughs> you can describe yourself if you want thank you well I look like Shrek just think of it that way <laughs> I'm like a Irish. I live in Hawaii, but I'm like really pale Irish, and I look like Shrek. My head, like you can't tell, but if there was someone beside me, you would just uh -huh. see like I'm like big. I'm much bigger, right? And so I always have to in photos. I have to put my head back behind everyone else because otherwise it's just this monstrous like Shrek, like just paler version. But okay, but. But so look, my wife and I had the typical, like we met each other in like this like heavenly place and we like had this amazing romance. Yeah. But you know, over the years I've learned those kind of romances when you then meet in the back in the outside world reality, it doesn't work. But mm -hmm. for whatever reason, it just really works. Um, and I would say when I say forever reason, you know, what my wife is just so positive and she's just an amazing person. I, I literally tell her this all the time. She makes my life better and our kids' be lives better and all our friends, like, like every day. Yeah. Now it's, again, it's unbelievably annoying. Like on a Sunday where all I want to do is just, could I have a nap? Are you okay? I just want to eat something else. I know we just <laughs> had lunch. Yeah. And she's like, look, I've got eight more things for us to do today you know but yeah. but look I wouldn't do any of them like if I was left to my own devices yeah um so so look it, it just I think like eventually I was able to select for the right qualities and like you could put it like you know like she's um she was she was just the best all-rounded person that I I mean I've got no offense to anyone else you know like you know, to be a life, have as a life partner. Yeah. So it sounds like you meet in this like unique environment. You're, yeah. There's a beautiful romance that happens. Um, at any point, did the real world kind of invade on that? Was there anything that you ever had to work through to kind of get to a place that this was where you wanted to commit to each other? Or did it yeah. always just kind of feel easy? No, no, we definitely, I mean, look, it doesn't always feel easy. Let's be clear we're both traumatized people, right? And when I say traumatized, like I said, I'm the son of an alcoholic, right? I have like wounding around like shame and rejection and wounding around abandonment. And my wife does too. So, we're, and we're so important to each other. We're each other's person, our primary, each other's primary attachment figure that we can get scared easily that we're either not good enough or the other person is not there for us. And because that's such a deep, you know, you know, the baseline of our existence, right, to have to be emotionally bonded, that's right? the baseline need. Um, we get into stuff all the time with each other. We yeah. scare each other all the time. This is one like, I've, if you really love someone, you and they are going to scare each other all the time. 
-hmm. It's going to look like they're not there or it's going to look like they're not happy with you. Um, so we scare each other all the time. Like one of the things that happened, like, you know, that like, I think for a lot of people that that decision to actually commit a hundred percent, you know, um, was, 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 you know, it was, uh, it wasn't immediately like, um, clear. But we just both said we would just trust the process, like, and not not rush or blow things up. That it had to be decided today, and it all worked out. But that but that time was stressful, not knowing yeah. exactly how things were gonna was gonna play out. So, how do you think you made a decision to be able to like trust the process when you weren't sure? Well, look, I mean, I studied for years, right? Like I, I studied Gestalt, which is an existential uh, experiential psychotherapy. You know, it's one of you know, the main fundamental parts of um, experiential psychotherapy. Um, and I studied it as a spiritual practice. And here's what the saying was, right? Can you be with what is with breath in the spirit of aloha? Mm -hmm. Right. So it looks, and so like, I just, I, I again like by by 40 I was better able to do that like yeah. calm my attachment anxiety and actually okay let's just let this play out like this just don't be rushing this the test are you there or am I enough for you um and again I found someone that was able to tolerate the discomfort of not knowing what's going to happen next and and live with we kept coming back to that. Can I be with what is with breath and the spirit of aloha? Yeah. Um, because you know, if we if we get out of our own way, like everything will unfold. Right. Usually, um, you know, and I always say this to my couples, like, please don't blow yourselves up before I see you. <laughs> Just don't blow yourselves up, please. Right? Yeah, please, totally. <laughs> yeah and like don't and if you do if you find yourself in trench warfare where there's now like um you know the 51st parallel whatever it's called between north and south korea inside your house or you're literally inside a trench there's a no man's land right um just just reach out before the session right like let me help you de-escalate don't still spend as little time as possible inside of detente or full combat yeah um but anyway so look at we we just both were able to be able to tolerate the discomfort of not knowing what's going to happen and just staying with it so you're able to tolerate you stay with it what has been one of the highlights of your marriage um highlights of marriage I mean is having kids we had we've had both our kids home births and that was unbelievable that was otherworldly mm -hmm. right like um you know, also like on the uh, emotional bonding, the attachment part, when our, our first, our daughter was born, um, we really got into our emotional bonding cycle, right, where my wife felt alone. I wasn't there for her during labor. And I felt, you know, of course, if, if abandonment is here, rejection is here, they always come together, right? And so I definitely felt the, oh, my God, she's disappointed in me. And I kind of started freezing a little bit like mm -hmm. and moving like kind of collapsing inwards instead of being yeah. able to help her um and it was really great one of the midwives actually was able to help 
like kind of bridge this moment where like I'm collapsing in and she's feeling alone and then like she was like come here come here come here and so it was really great to have that missing experience that healing experience during childbirth yeah um, and then yeah the moment that you know baby is born like our grace was born is just like again it's like a like just a, a view into a different dimension in that moment and the same when my son was born this was really I think they did this to make fun of me like the midwife is saying like she's hearing something from the baby wants me to sing to it so Kian her son when Kian was born now I enjoy it but it was kind of embarrassing like I had to say I was singing Irish songs like <laughs> during the um I don't remember what it's called now it's five years ago the um active stage of labor right the pushing um, as my wife was biting my my chest and spreading my legs open as she's pushing as hard as she can um that 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 was how I was comforter she was like biting me mm -hmm. but but th those moments of just like going from you know both of us feeling like separate from belonging people to holy shit like we actually have children yeah like that was really magical yeah it sounds really magical Thank you for sharing that story. It sounds like really powerful moments. And it really struck me like how even in a moment of a little bit of disconnection, someone was able to give like a little cue yes. and help you guys out and bridge that gap between exactly. you. And I think that's kind of the beauty of having outside people around you sometimes support you is when they can bridge that gap that maybe you didn't even know was there or what to do with it when it arises. Exactly. It's I no, I love that you you caught that. Like, yeah, that just having that person that's outside your system that can see it and kind of help, yeah, provide that bridge is yeah, is really awesome. That was really great. Yeah. So it sounds like throughout the story you've told so far, there's these little moments of little wounds or vulnerabilities beneath the surface. You've mentioned a few a few times, like feeling not good enough, feeling maybe like someone's not there for you, you're not there for us. Those yeah. little vulnerabilities, um, I guess, I guess, can you explain how common those are and, and what, how they show up in relationships? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I, I think they're there for everybody, right? I think it's fundamental to the human experience. So the way I work is like attachment theory is the most important pillar of the work and then systems theory. And so it was a very quick, I'm sure your listeners, you know, and viewers know what attachment theory is, but oh, just, give it a summary anyway, just in case yeah, yeah. this is their first time listening. They're like, what's this word? I don't know. Give it a Yeah, comment. yeah. So yeah, attachment, you could just substitute the word attachment for emotional bonding. And the idea is like, we all need to be emotionally bonded, attached from the cradle to the grave. And really simply, right? You think about the cradle part when you're born as a baby you are useless you can do nothing right absolutely nothing so you're totally reliant on your primary caregiver slash your birth mother right for most of us right to actually be there and if they're not there you will die fact so your organism is built primarily before you need food and shelter or an iphone to detect before the iphone for sure before the advent, before your Netflix subscription, Wi-Fi, like your whole organism is built primarily to detect, is there a good enough other on the other side of your birth? Or you're going to die, like you'll actually die. 
And so to the grave, you might think you've now grown up and like, I don't need anything. I've got Amazon and Netflix and my iPhone. I don't need people. But you still, your organism, your physiology, your physically, your biology is still built to freak out when it looks like your person, your whoever you're emotionally bonded with. And obviously, most likely when you're a kid, you know, your, your parents or whoever your primary caregiver is. Right. And then, of course, when you're a grown up, your primary partner, mm-hmm. right? Hopefully, if you're still your primary person is still your mother, that's a different. That's a different place we have to start a therapy if you're grown up. Right. But but OK, so so basically your this is the premise is everything that then two people do in a relationship actually makes sense. Right. Because you're each other's primary person. So if you're each other's primary person and when it looks like you're not there for me, whether that's you look like you're not there for me because I'm not important to you. And all the different flavors on that side, like you don't want me, I'm not you don't hear me, I'm not special to you. Right. Lots of different flavors of ice cream. Right. You're going to freak out. It's going to be really scary. And now you're going to react in a way that unfortunately, even though your reaction might make sense, your reaction is now the signal, the stimulus for your significant other to, for them to get scared. Now it looks to them that their primary person is not there for them, the way right. you're reacting. So now they're going to freak out, right? Even if they don't realize they're freaking out, they might look like nothing's happening, but actually on the inside, they just got real scared. Right. And that's, that's, I love what you just said there, how important that is. So some people look totally fine and calm, but their internal system might not be okay. Exactly. And they don't even know that themselves. They've been doing it so long. They've been like some people, how they survive their person not being there for them, right? Is they overregulate. They just, they're not going to feel anything. They go numb inside or they dissociate or they get really competent. And look, there's, these are actually quite smart things to do. They're not bad things, right? right? But but they don't. People don't necessarily realize. Look, all these things you think is your personality are actually your survival strategies when you're not feeling met by the world. And of course, the most important person in the world to you is your partner, right? Just like your parents were when you were little. So so look, every single person has this. If you're a human being, you have this. And that means when you're in a relationship with someone, you're definitely going to create this cycle. One of you will feel abandoned, the other person will feel rejected, and you're going to both behave in ways to not feel that way, that'll make things worse. Now, the punchline to that is actually not to then try and change the behavior. This is the part that people, it it just, it doesn't, people cannot grasp this. They, they just, no matter how many times you say it, they like, that's why it has to be an experience. You can't just explain it. The, what you do with that information is you soften into having empathy and compassion for yourself and the other person. Look and look how sad and hard this is for both of us because we love each other so much. Yeah, that changed the whole world. Like everybody's like, oh, well, let me not be reactive, right? Let me not shut down. Let me stop, you know, complaining about you when I'm actually scared inside. And so what I do is I I I I do not try and change people's behavior. I work on helping them have that experience of this exact same fight where we're both hurting that we think is awful is actually beautiful. This is so beautiful. This is all happening because we love each other so much because that's how important we are to each other. Come here. No, you come here. 
and they hold each other and they rub each other's little noses and tweak each other's ears. Like with, with someone like me, because I again I have no hair, like they put me in a little headlock and give me a nuggy. Yeah. Is that what it's called? You rub the yeah, it's called a nuggy. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so we live in a whole new world if we can shift that perspective. We both get hurt because we're fundamentally so important to each other. And of course, we both react in ways that's hard for the other person. And um, yeah, changes everything if that's the world that people live inside. Then there's more stuff we can do, but we got to do that first. And, you know, the way I work with people. Yeah. So we hear like, let's imagine there's a listener listening and they're like, okay, yeah. I can identify the cycle, right? I, I feel abandoned. The way I react when I'm feeling this way makes them feel rejected. They're feeling yeah. rejected and they respond to a certain way. So I'm feeling yeah. more abandoned and around and around we go, but they're not at the point where they're like, how do we go from that to the noogie? Like, yeah. there seems yeah, to be, well, like what's, what, what are some of the things that people are listening that maybe they can think about so that's the bridge between noticing the cycle and being ready to pull each other's ears and give each other yeah well this is the tough part right yeah. this is where this is really hard to do without a couple therapists not impossible right but and it's not a pitch for you or me right, right. because because the first most important thing is you see the system from the outside right and that's really hard right so let's say like you know you're the listener you're in a relationship and you are one of the two parts of the system yeah right and so you're literally embedded in the system right you you're it's not possible to see it from the outside what the, your couples therapist does is there they've got a drone's eye view of the two of you and they see the tragedy of the whole scene right, right. the therapist sees the tragedy of the whole scene and the first thing I'm going to try and do with the therapist is have you and your partner be up with the drone and see, oh, this is so painful, but not just for me or not just for you, for us. So this, this shift from I consciousness to we consciousness is actually the most important thing. Now, it seems so small. So, so here's the first thing people could do is practice, practice this shift from I'm hurting or you're hurting or I'm reacting or you're reacting to we are hurting mm -hmm. and we are reacting. Right. Our system, our relationship is hurting. And then remember the punchline, right? The, 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 the golden nugget. And this is all happening because we're so important to each other. It's actually a tragedy, right? Like if, imagine if you are, um, you know, Steven Spielberg was like, the two of you are on the stage and Steven Spielberg sees, oh my God, they're actually feeling really abandoned. And every time they complain, they're just desperately trying to get close to their partner. But oh, look how bad he feels or she feels about themselves, are they? And like, they're running away. They're like running away to get to the pub or like to their yoga class, mm. right? Steven Spielberg looking behind the frame goes, this is tragic for both. Oh, the pain that this couple are in. Mm -hmm. And so that, that shift from I'm hurting and you're the one doing it to me that both people probably have to, oh, I feel so much pain for us. Right. Everything can change if we can have that experience. Yeah. Which is hard to go to that drone, that well, bird's eye view, the seeing it from there, but yeah. it, and it's possible. It's like, right. if you're listening, you're like oh my gosh, I, how could I do this? So it's absolutely. Well, it takes practice, but here's the thing that makes it, 
like extra hard is it's temporarily impossible. So there is a period of time, like it's always, this is like, I love, one of the things I loved about labor is labor is always a retroactive diagnosis, right? You know, you are actually in labor because a baby comes out at the end. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's like, there's false labor. And it turns out we know it's false labor because, oh, there was no baby, right? right. You know, you're in a cycle because you've just been in a cycle. And during the time you're apart in the system, and again, because it's so primary, like I'm actually threatened because you're not here for me. I'm going to have to pursue you around the house to listen to me. I'm going to have to explain this to you another four times. Like, you know, I'm going to draw you a picture of how bad you were. Not that you were trying to be mean, but you were just trying to like, I hope you get it so you'll be there. And the other person is shutting down. During that period of time, it's actually impossible to see it from the uh, drone's eye view. Again, not because either of you are bad, but because that's how much it hurts to be disconnected. So right. we always have to work this out after we are in a cycle. Right. Right. And after a period of time that neither of us could get out of it. Now, whether that's six seconds, 60, you know, six minutes, six hours, six days, the key is on second seven, minute seven, I'm really giving myself a math test early in the morning, right? Like, you know, day, day seven or week seven, we, hey, come here. I think I see we were in a system. Yeah. Just that, like, you know, the, the key, um, the key is, right, relationship can be in three buckets, good, bad, or ugly, right? Good is we're really connected. I love you. You're here for me. You're enough for me. We're doing our little nose touch nuggies, right? And then it, bad is inevitable. If everything right. I've said so far, bad is definitely going to happen because you're so important to each other. And the key to a good relationship is you give yourself and the other person a chance to get back to good. How right. would you look at how we both were hurting and we were both kind of withholding love from each other, even if not on purpose? Um, come here. No, you come here. Mm -hmm. Right now, obviously, a little bit more complicated to get back there. Like, right. But but the, the hardest and most important thing is start to see it's a systemic problem, not a me or a you problem. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's the beginning step. So you said, okay, we're not changing behavior. We're looking exactly. at. So we're starting to see that this is a pattern. Yeah. We start to see it's a systemic problem. It's a we problem, not a me versus you. Then, yeah. then, what, then what comes next? Well, look, you know, in some ways it's easier for me to maybe to explain it as a story, right? Let me, story. let me tell you a quick story, right? Because it, this is where, look, it, I'm an experiential psychotherapist. And so, like, I love explaining it. Believe me, I love, like, again, I'm a man. I'm in, like, 50. Like, I, like I can mansplain all day long. Right, believe I, I, no one would listen that's why i do podcast interviews because now no one will listen right like other than if i'm on someone else's podcast right so okay so so here let me tell you a story right so my wife and i like about i don't know like it must be three years ago four years ago four years ago right we're walking down the street and uh because it's four years ago my son's one years old like or less he's in like some baby carrier on my wife's chest Right. And so we're strolling along. Everything's fine. We're in the good zone. Right. Then she trips on a crack on the pavement and falls. Right. And she, she manages to twist her body as she's falling so she doesn't land on her son on her chest. Right. So, you know, what? she twists her ankles. She's hurting. Son is crying. 
and here's a concerned father. So if you looked at it on the outside, right? Oh, mom falls, baby gets a shock. I hope they're all okay. Dad seems concerned, right? Dad is bending down to see if mom's okay and assure the baby. That's what it looks like was happening on the outside. There's no what's happening. Not really. If we go deep down inside those two people, moi, that's French for me, and my wife, Teal, right? There is a little girl, right, that had experience in her life that no one's coming when she's hurt. And she just fell, and that's enough of a trigger, right? Like it's within 0. 0.0001 of a second that she's now not only in the pain of the physical pain, and is the baby okay? She It became a relational attachment thing. Is he coming? And I, like I said, I'm the son of a heartbroken mother, right? Is there anything I could do to get, ever make her okay? I am now facing an existential threat. Oh, shit. This is a moment that I may fail to be good enough. So she looks to me, and so in point zero 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 one of a second, she looks to me, are you coming? And I'm like, oh, God, I want to be there, but I'm scared I won't be good enough. She detects instantly. That's what's happening inside me. I detect, oh, my God, she's seen if I'm going to be there. We're both heartbroken. We're both heartbroken. I'm trying to help, but I'm scared. And she's trying to accept my help, but she's disappointed. And we walk home heartbroken. It happened again. No one was there. It happened again. I really was doing my best, and she's disappointed in me. But later that night, this is the story we both understand that happened. Oh, my God, I get it. Like, I touched that place that no one was coming, and I looked disappointed in you. And I look, I don't know which came first, but I saw you were looking. Was I there? And I got scared I wasn't going to be there, and I froze. And I saw how heartbroken you were. And we now love, I'm here, that little girl. It's not happening again. I am here. And it's not happening again, little fig. I know I was saying I was big, but there's a little, little squish, little fig inside me. Yeah. Right? It's not happening again. You are enough. Now, I could go through the steps of how to do that, but it's that experience that matters. And so I, now again, this is definitely where I lose whatever listeners are left. I'm an artiste. I help people have that experience. And the less I explain it, the better for everyone but me, right? Like, so the more I can do that experience of work, that they have that experience live in the room and less explaining stuff, um, the better. Yeah. yeah. And I can see where it's powerful, like, if you're able to facilitate those moments for people and get them to have that. Exactly. Yeah. And then help them interpret it and remember it, like, meta process it rewire the brain that this is their understanding of what happened and then they leave my office like they're like they're like shaking they're just like what 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 just happened like i walked out one time after a couple left my office and they like i just heard they were like he's a witch he's a witch he's a witch now i know it's not magic right I, like i said when i was first doing it i actually did take it personally i was like yeah i'm amazing right but now i know look it's just it's just science it's just biology and i and I'm able to guide people to have these particular experiences that not only heals the relationship between them but gives the lit the little the little ones inside them the actual missing experiences that like that they needed more than anything else from their relationship and then they can love each other for the rest of their life 
And yeah. so then after I help them have those experiences where we have those missing experiences for both of them, then I have a moment where I can do a three-way fist bump. I mean, I see all my clients these days over Zoom, right? And like, so for, I don't know about you, virtual. Virtual fist bump. Virtual fist bump. And here's my personal take on this. I'm not attached to whether after, at the end of a fist bump, someone does little jellyfish or big jellyfish. <laughs> Like I, I just let it, even if it's not synced, if one person does little and the other person does big, totally fine with me. Right. And then we say goodbye. Nice. I, and then there, this is the other thing about that. Sometimes they're like, no figs. Like I, we want to keep going. I say, but you don't need me anymore. And they say, look, we're going to be here this time next week. And I say, you're not. Right. And they get really upset. Like, I can't believe you're telling us we can't keep seeing you. That's sometimes the hardest part. Yeah. Right. But they've done it. The whole point, and this is the this is part of why I love couples therapy, is is not that they get dependent on me, that they actually are able to um be co not codependent, interdependent, right? That they can rely on each other and resource right. each resource each other. So I like that it ideally the work is you know temporary with me. And then I just, you know, we just help them be able to. They just incorporate all the stuff they did with me so they can, they don't need me anymore. Yeah. You're, you're giving them this, the resources or a different way of thinking or helping them build that team to work you out of a job. Exactly. And that's, look, I think of it as reparenting. Like I really do like, um, you know, um, and that's why I look at couples counseling. The other thing I love about couples counseling is normies come, right? Like people that would never, they're not like, I'm anxious. Like, you know, I'm, I'm pulling my hair out, but fuck it. I'm not going to talk to someone, but their relationship is on the line. Yeah. That person will actually come in and you get a chance to do really deep work with someone that would never do the work. And this, again, this may sound really hippy dippy, but the science backs it up. And now I have a chance to help that person heal seven generations back. Yeah. All of their ancestors are in the stands going, please free our family line of this stuff. And seven future generations are like, please do it. Do not <laughs> burden us with this shit. Yeah. Right. So we get to like, okay, it's one couple, one hour, but I, look, it's just the um, what you the amount of impact it can have is just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and then I go tell my wife, "Look, I did good," and she's like, "Just do the dishes, <laughs> please, dishes." I don't care. No, uh, that's not true. But, uh, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so so it sounds like you get. It's just sounds like it continues to be tremendously impact for you, impactful for you to help couples change that yeah. cycle and have deep experiences with themselves and with each other. Yeah, it's great. It's amazing. I just like, look, if you think about again, one of like son of a heartbroken mother and like, and you know, like just like if she, if mom's not okay, I'm not okay. Right. And this is what often it looks like the withdrawn partner. It looks like they don't care. It's not that they don't care. They actually care so much. It's overwhelming and they have to shut down or yeah. disassociate or watch watch football or whatever it is right um but guess what i get to do now in a healthy way i get to actually help someone that's heartbroken yeah without giving myself away without collapsing i get like look it's um yeah it's a poetic opportunity to take this wounding inside me and 
harness it for good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's powerful. For everybody, me too. Something I like obviously it's really powerful. Well, hopefully it's powerful for the couples um and the individuals I work with, but it's kind of crazy to get paid for it in a way because every session is healing for me. Yeah. True. You know? Um so if the listeners, you know, they're listening to so, so much about the cycle, learning a little bit of attachment, yeah. um, some of the wounds we might have hearing some of your story, if they're listening and you have one thing that you really hope they're taking away from everything we've talked about today, what do you hope that is? Yeah, that, that you're good. Your partner is good. Both of you are good. People are always doing their best. Always. Yeah. Always. And your worst behaviors and your partner's worst behaviors and other people's worst behaviors are just the outward expression of how much they're hurting inside. And why are they hurting? Because they're actually really, really feeling alone or abandoned or rejected, not heard, not considered. And that part of them that's feeling that is so lovable. It's the most lovable part of who they are. We're all going to forget it temporarily, but we just yeah. have to remember, right? Yeah. Um you guys fight because you love each other. That's all. Everything else is noise. Now, everyone, someone's going to like write to me or say, no, Figs, my partner is a narcissistic asshole. Or no, my partner's borderline, right? Now, look, are there exceptions? Sure. But like 99.99% of the people that come see me, they both have some story about how their partner's an ass. Yeah. Right. But it turns out both of them are hurting because they love each other and both of them act in ways that are really annoying. Yes. Like myself. Me too. Right. So, yeah, look, you're good. Your partner is good. They're doing the best they can. They just get scared because they love you so much. Nothing else going on. That's a powerful message. So, yeah, and then I, I added some technical language. Am I allowed to curse? Yeah, you can curse. So I add technical language then, and I literally say this to my client, calm the fuck down. You're just two people that love each other. Just imagine like there's crime tape. I've got a couple we're out in the street and I put the crime tape around them and everyone else is rubbernecking. And I tell everyone else, hey, just keep driving. I just got two people that love each other, that scared each other. They're going to be okay in a minute. Yeah. Everything's okay. Yeah. Um. Well, it sounds like you certainly are able to give people the space. Like, it's like you're creating the, I'm matching that crime scene tape and like exactly. everybody has to kind of be on the outside and you're giving the couple the opportunity on the inside of the tape to work through whatever's going on. I love that, Amber. Yeah. I mean, without getting too nerdy, right? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> like a create a container. Yeah. And inside that container and like, I I told you I wouldn't talk about religion, right? I'm I'm not religious, but spiritual, right? It'll actually create, we, we have conversation, like they're out in the world. The therapy session is like a cathedral or a church. And then there are moments inside that church that is whatever that room is at the back where it's really sacred. Yeah. Right. Where now that's safe for the little vulnerable ones. Right. But so that's that transition. I have a conversation with them out in the world. Like we're in a, like I'm talking now in a bar or a coffee shop. Yo, what's up? You're fighting. But then we're going to bring them slowly over through the work into now we're talking like we're in a church. So we're making it safe for the vulnerable ones. And then we actually get the vulnerable ones to be here. And now we're in that back room. We're like, holy shit, we've time traveled and we get a chance to meet the needs of the most vulnerable ones in both of you. Um, and then we can go back outside and talk like I'm talking now. 
And that's what I love, again, like I say, about being a therapist. I get to have bar coffee conversations, sacred conversations in the pews of a church. And then I get to have like serious shaman, priest guiding the deepest healing possible in the back room. Yeah. So many different roles that you get to be part of. Oh, great. Because as you can tell, like I have to entertain myself or I... <laughs> it seems you are excellent at entertaining yourself. Still well I know, but that's why I'm talking to you. My family are like, are bored of me. They're like, geez, <laughs> I just walked my eight-year-old and five-year-old to school. My five-year-old was sing, dad, dance. And my eight-year-old, as you go, she's like, there's no singing. There's <laughs> no singing right, right now. Yeah, she's definitely getting to that. Like, oh my God, my dad is so embarrassing. But anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, if you shared so much with us today, if people loved you, they want to follow you, find you, learn more about you, where can they do that? Yeah. So our website is empathy.com. I say we as me and I've got like, I think we've got about 20 therapists right now. We have courses and quizzes and we have our own podcast we didn't talk about. But so empathy.com, empathy with an I on the end, not a Y on the end.com. And then the other thing we did, which we haven't done this before, you're literally the first podcast that we did this with, is we have our like flagship course. It's called a conflict solution. And I want to give it away for free. Cool. Right. Like, you know, um, I don't know if it's a good idea or not for us, but so it's empathy with a nine the end, not a Y in the end dot com and then forward slash psych. Cool. If your team sends me that yeah. link address, we'll link it to the show notes for everybody to make that easy. Brilliant. Um, and yeah, I think then whatever way you go, go on that, you somehow just get the get the show for free. Uh, I'll, you, I'll give you all the details. That's all I was given by my team. So I don't know. But He's going to give me the details and I'm going to give you guys the details in the Brilliant. show notes. So just click in the show notes and you're going to see all the stuff that's been worked out behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah. And, but let me just to be clear about that. I'm just part of like, look, the courses are awesome. And I'm, I don't know if you saw courses, but like, so I don't want to like discount anything, but there is no substitute for counseling. There just isn't, right? Like if, if you or your partner, you're reluctant, your partner's reluctant, money, it serves a purpose. But there's just they're still pale comparisons to actually getting in the room and having a live experience yeah right and, and by the way amber i noticed like you picked out some of the things i said where you really noticed those kind of change moments right um there's just priceless to have a therapist that can actually notice where the opportunities are yeah then that now let's let's just be here right now and um, we just haven't got a way to create that outside of that living, breathing, shared experience yet. I agree. Um, I mean, I have courses as well. And I think like they're great resources for people who aren't, don't want to do therapy, can't afford therapy. Yeah, exactly. Want like a, dip their toe in to see what this is about right. kind of thing. Like, I think there's a place for it, but I, I agree with you. It's, it's, you're certainly not going to get the same experience from a course yeah. as you're going to get. From yeah. Therapy. That's why I think there's like front end, like if you're not sure yet, or you can't afford it or whatever back end, we did really well. We're going to like kind of consolidate. And then in the middle, we have this resource in parallel with the counseling yeah, but um, but ideally, you actually get in to see someone that knows what they're doing, right? Yeah. Which you clearly do. Thank, Thank you. you for having me on your show, Amber. You're welcome. And and for listening to me, someone today. Thank you. Listeners. My pleasure. It was a delight to have you on. I appreciated 
sharing your story, the stories that you shared to illustrate concepts. It was really powerful. And it was just a, it was a great learning experience and just lovely to get to know you. And I, I yeah. hope that everybody was able to take away as much as I was. So just thanks for being here. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Amber. Really, really lovely to meet you. Thank you for tuning in to Relationship Psych, the podcast put on by Ember Relationship Psychology. If you're looking for more free relationship help or advice that comes straight from the couple's therapy room, check out the free resources and the blog at www.emberrelationshippsychology.com.